and I'm going to say a prayer. Here we go. Truly grateful, truly thankful for the power of love in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to infinite intelligence, pure light. So grateful that our very essence and nature is that Christ light. So grateful and thankful that the truth about us is we're already as beloved as we can be, as awake as we can be, and we are willing to remember that this is the truth. This is what is really happening. And we are willing to give up all of our attachments to the false. So we come together to support this transformation, this willingness. We come together for clear insight and wisdom to let go of the blocks to love. We are sharing the benefits with all beings, every brother and sister, every being there is benefits because we came together in this way today, right now. In gratitude, we allow the healing to unfold and we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. I'd like to thank uh, Lori and Araba for the service yesterday, Sundays with Spirit. And I encourage all of you who are interested in speaking or leading to just all you have to do is say, I'd like to do that. And we'll support you in, in doing it. Very much so. Maybe this year I'll have time to do another program on speaking or teaching. And uh, that would be nice. So this time is for you to ask me questions related to what's coming up for you personally, what's coming up for you professionally, how can I help you and support you, uh, what, what questions do you have, what's coming up. Lori, and then Marianne. So this came up today. And I really, my deepest desire is to be truly helpful. I spoke about that yesterday. And I had a moment today, an exchange with someone where I could feel inside of me that push, that push, that push, that push to um, make a point. Mm -hmm. and I was giving it over and giving it over and giving it over and I could hear like this this voice going you would like to be truly helpful is this truly helpful are you being truly helpful <laughs> um, and she was trying to make a decision and what I could hear the entire time on why she was choosing a no was um, all her, all her ego reasons. Mm. We were just having an exchange on the phone as friends. It wasn't 
a counseling session. However, I would like to embody that across the board. So she was giving me all of these reasons and she said, rather than do it that way, I'd rather do it with one-on-one with you and have counseling sessions with you and have that personal touch. And out of my mouth, what came was, I I don't believe that you would. And I like, I felt this (gasps) at the same time. And I was like, oh, is that judgment? Or was that supposed to come out? Like, and she said, why do you say that? And then what came through me was, well, I've heard you say similar things when you worked one-on-one with me. And that's why you stopped working one-on-one with me. And now you're trying, you're, you're following this path and you gave it six days. And you're telling me all the same reasons that you gave me when we were doing one-on-one sessions and you had two sessions with me. And I'm not following you, Laurie. Is, is, am I missing something? I, I'm well, not quite following you. I, my question is, I responded by saying to her, I don't believe you. And I am wondering, like, I'm just sitting with that and wondering if it came from ego or if it was what I was supposed to say. And, and that's where I think I have expectations about what truly helpful is supposed to look like. Like I'm not supposed to comment or say anything. And um, yeah, I'm just going round and round with that. That's where I currently am. I guess I'm just questioning myself right now. Yeah, so it's always good to be questioning, uh, unless we're doing it in a neurotic way, you know, but to be consistently uh, questioning uh, is is helpful. We, we don't wish to fall asleep and um, become inured to um, our spiritual guidance versus ego guidance so how do you tell that difference this is it it, this is this actually one of the subjects of my podcast this week intuition and inspiration recognizing them um There are times when we are guided to be very direct, uh, and there are times when we are uh, ego blurting. You know, uh, I um, I used to spend a lot of time with a spiritual teacher who blurted, but what, usually when they blurted, it, it was ego. Because the blurting was things like, um, we're never going to do that. (laughs) You know, there was a lot of attitude to it. 
like uh, that that's a terrible idea you know and and then the spiritual teacher would come back and say i just like to appreciate sally for sharing the ideas that she has and always putting forth these ideas and way to go sally but you know 20 minutes later she had said to sally that was a terrible idea in front of everybody right um so she would backtrack that way so when you said i don't believe that did you feel attitude did you feel annoyed or you know what was there what emotion accompanied that that would be one way i think to get a sense and so what what do you feel i felt scared i felt scared that i said something like that because of the judgments i have against myself being too direct yeah now there's directness and then there's um being unnecessarily confrontational some people really and this was me i i used to really like drama because it was easy for me to to be dramatic and to make drama and it made me feel as though I had power. I have the power to upset people. I have the power to confront them. And so I was being direct in a confrontational way. Not because it was called for to bring on a breakthrough, but because I had attitude. I wanted to confront them. I wanted to smack them or slap them or they annoyed me. They irritated me. They frustrated me. They intimidated me, the what, whatever. And out of my agitation, I would be confrontational or direct. Um, so I would look, you know, th this is coming up so that you can look at that. And, and, um, but I, I think one of the, one of the best indicators for you is your, your feeling because I've certainly said to clients, um, things like, I hear what you're saying. You're saying you think this and you feel that. And I will be honest with you. I do not believe you. I think you're trying to convince me or convince yourself. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. Uh, but I, I'm not believing that you're telling me the truth about what you think and what you feel. Uh, I think you're trying to um, convince us. And uh, let's just see if we can see what that's about. Do you do you think I'm wrong? And so to that 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 is confrontational, right? That is direct, but it's not the back of the hand, right? So um, and there have been times I've told the story in some classes where I had an experience with my sister-in-law where she was judging me, and I. Uh, I just rose up in me to tell her to fuck off, you know, and, you know, I said, F you, F you, I'm not going to listen to this. 
And she said, you have to listen to this. I said, I don't. You're just judging me. I don't have to listen to your judgments. And if I do, you will just feel bad about yourself later. There's nothing good about your judgments. And I don't have to listen to them. And she she was arguing with me. And I said, F you, F you. I am not listening to your judgments of me. There's no good can come of it. I'm clear. You know, and that's what it took for her to hear me. I didn't know it at the time. I was shocked that I, I, I said that like that. I was shocked. I wasn't happy about it at all. But then, you know, I left the room. We were eating lunch together in her kitchen and I left the room and, uh, she came after me and I said, no, I'm not having it. I'm not listening to you. I'm not interested in your judgments of me. I have had enough of them. And it was particularly sore for me because she was judging me about um, how I was in relationship with my mother when my mother was dying. And I knew it was just her judgments. I knew she didn't know what was really going on. But I just was guided to be that confrontational with her but it was not what my personality wanted at all really and um i you know i walked away from her again and we you know a couple hours later she came back to me and apologized and it it opened up our relationship in a whole new way and she was very authentic with me and very um anyway it doesn't matter, but, um, so I have had experiences like that. Was I triggered about her judging me relating to my mom who had died? Yes, I was, but I, I don't think I would have really chosen that from my personality to speak to her that way. It felt like my spirit coming through. And I, my conversation with her was exactly the way that you just said at the very beginning. It was like, let's look at this. I don't believe what you're saying. Like, that's how it was. But because I said it and I got a little more blunt with her, it made me, it made me uncomfortable. And I went on a walk and um, I said a prayer about it and everything and she actually just sent me a text that said I can I completely she wrote I appreciate you challenging me so but it was just it was it was this moment of I was just like the prayer I said was help me to see this (laughs) like you've got her you've got me you're taking care of it Holy Spirit help me you know so it's it, it's making me realize that I still have that belief in my head that, you know, being truly helpful just means showing up one way all the time. And it's, I still have, this is how you're, you be a good person. Yeah, that that's not true. I mean, I think of, if you ever go on, uh, if you ever go on a 10-day Vipassana and you 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 get to listen to the teachings of Gwankaji, um in that big international organization that he founded, 
um, the Burmese meditation teacher, who's now passed on, but all the teachings are on DVD, so they show them to you on DVD during the meditation retreats. He tells a story when he was training with his teacher. They were on a retreat, and there was some, an American man there, and uh, each each meditator had their own little hut in Burma or India or wherever it was. And uh, so he was talking with his teacher, and the teacher said, just give me a minute, I have to go talk with one of the students here. So he went into that American student's hut, and uh, Gwankaji could hear him talking to this American going, what are you doing? You're, you're doing it all wrong. You know, like yelling and screaming at him, right? And Gwankaji was like, oh my God, I can't believe my teacher's yelling at that person like that. It's awful, you know? And then the teacher came back and sat down and, and looked at Gwankaji and said, oh, can you believe I had to yell at that guy like that? That's the only way he would hear what I had to say. It's crazy, isn't it? You know, like that. And um, so there is that. There is that. That that's a That's a real thing to break people's ego um, shell sometimes. Um, and we just have to be super careful, super careful about it because think Dr. Phil, right? I mean, I don't even know if what, what Dr. Phil's story is anymore. I don't know if he's on TV anymore or anything like that. But I had a friend who, when Dr. Phil first got his show, a friend of mine was one of the main producers on the show. And um, so I watched Dr. Phil for a little while. And the things that he said to people were like, you know, he'd say, what kind of stupid are you? You know, like, you know, did you, you know, I mean, he would insult people, really insult them. And of course, people were lining up around the block to have him do that, and um, and that that but that to me is it's a kind of malpractice. Does it have its benefits? Yes, but is it the the most helpful way? No, it is not. Um, now, I, I, as another reference point, I, I'm watching like 15 different dog trainers on YouTube, constantly watching these dog trainers, you know, how to do all the things with dogs. And there's this one guy who's very popular, there, a lot of them are very popular. There's this one guy, particular guy who's very popular, his name is Joel Beckman, and he has this ego attitude when he's doing his talking and he's saying things like um just with an attitude um i can't even really come up with many examples but um he made a little to do about he got a hundred thousand followers on his youtube channel and so then he did this little thing like, why are why am I so popular? Why are people driving across the country to help get help from me to train their dogs? 
and he's like am i the best i'm not saying i'm the best but why you have to ask yourself why are they driving across the country to work with me now he doesn't he he says basically because my methods work other people's methods work too it's the reason why people are drawn to him is because he basically tells them you're not doing it right you're doing it wrong and you need to change and you need to think about this and you're not really so he chastises them but not so intensely that it's offensive but it's just it's an undergirding thing and that's exactly what Cesar Milan does right the the I don't know he's got some kind of name the dog whisperer I don't know what he is yeah so and he does that with the people he's like, you know, he, he makes them wrong and bad. And um, he, sometimes he's a little bit like making him stupid. Like, why would you think it that way? Do you notice that you're not being consistent? You're all over, you know, he does it in a way that's kind of chastising. And um, I think, and still he's, he's a good guy. And so is Joel. But when there's that extra layer of admonishment people like it because it it matches their feeling of not good enough and uh, I remember once I gave a talk where I was kind of admonishing and um, one of my friends came up and said oh I love it when you're admonishing us I just love it and I'm like I didn't want that you know but there are times you know when it's I remember once in a spiritual counseling intensive where right on the last air I said, now I'm just telling you, do not go back to your bullshit when you go home. You know, you have to make a decision now. You can make a decision now not to go back to the bullshit. And um and people loved it. So it's I wouldn't wish for that to become part of my thing. But there are occasional times when I do feel to call it out is what is being asked for in that moment. But I wouldn't wish to turn into a Dr. Phil and it becomes my shtick. I don't wish to have any shtick in my counseling or my teaching. I just don't I, don't, I don't wish to have routines or any, I don't wish to fall back on, st I just don't wish to be in that, um, just regurgitating old stuff all the time. I'm not saying that you're interested in that, just sort of taking the whole thing and spreading it all out wide. Thank you, that was, that was helpful. And um, oh, I can't hear you, I don't know why. <clears throat> Can you hear me now? That was that was helpful, and I, when I was a life coach, I used to be in that energy constantly. And as I talked this out and sat with it and was listening to what you were sharing, I realized that it was called for in that moment, and my discomfort came from my own stuff, and also right. that of not wanting to go back to what I was but I'm not going to I, I know I'm not going to it was just different yeah and That's I made it wrong I made it wrong 
that's that's what I was feeling is that it it brought up other stuff for you to heal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're consistently healing the idea that we're bad and wrong. You know, and if we're really deeply committed to this work, that stuff is going to keep coming up hard and strong because we we are interested in letting it go forever. So we have the courage and the strength to deal with it directly. So there's no question, I'm sure it's true for all of you, that you've had a few years where it's just like, push, 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 you know, over and over again. And it, it's it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting, it's tiring, it's not really fun, but you can see that you're getting tenderized and you're really becoming aware of what's really going on, what you really think and feel. You move out of the defensive posture into taking responsibility. Because when it's relentless, you, you can't just defend and defend that. Forget it, right? We've done that for a long, long time. and Or defend, attack, defend, attack, defend, attack. But at some point in that defend, attack pattern, which most people just live in for you know much of their life at some point we who are doing this work we we just say i i have to just rise above that vibration to taking responsibility and remembering to laugh so the defend attack energy it it we we become unwilling to engage in it anymore but first we have to expose all the false beliefs we have about ourselves of being bad and wrong and not good enough and something's wrong with us and we're not lovable and we're always going to be the one who's stained or defective or a problem or difficult or not smart enough, not pretty. You know, all that stuff has to be brought to the light. So spirit just finds every every means available and the more we can just look at it and go you know to because to the point where when genuinely when somebody attacks you know we look well hmm what's really going on here do i feel in agreement with what they're saying about me no i don't okay so it's a cry for love i can answer the cry for love with love you know, we can do that in a split second. But we still always find things, well, where did my mind go? Did I? Did my mind go to defending? Did my mind go to attacking? Even if my, my words and everything stayed calm and peaceful and harmonious, where did my mind go? So it just... Yeah, it's it's a practice and and we learn to be able to do it without any self-judgment and without judging others. It, it it we really can learn to be in this place of of not getting triggered anymore. And that's wonderful. You know, it's really worth it's worth it. It's worth everything we have to put into to not get triggered anymore. Thank you for that. Mary, did you want to follow up to that before I go to Marianne? 
yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make a quick, uh, I, this picture of a tumbler comes to my mind when I think of what we're going through, you know, that takes that nasty rock, those rocks and tumbles them and tumbles them. They turn out beautiful. You don't even recognize them when they go through all this tumbling. So that's how I feel that I'm going through that tumbling process. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good analogy. Yes. Yes, it's a, it's a definitely a detox. Marianne. Oh, not hearing you. There, I said I, I've gone through some tumbling recently. Um, I I had a trigger um, in the community in our in our spiritual counseling community call that that ended up being really useful for me and seeing a bunch of stuff, but I I wanted to get some viewpoints from you. Uh, The situation was uh, Tamalyn brought up reconnecting with a friend of hers that she'd been estranged from for a while. And she said that this friend had just all of these problems and so many different things going on. And she was thinking about offering some counseling to her friend. Um, I immediately felt triggered by the image I had I think of sitting with a friend who I projected into it um, is a friend who's not really doing the work and is and is finding all kinds of problems in their life. And I'd be sitting there with them and I would be judging them the whole time. And I would be really upset by my judgment. And I think I wasn't aware of that um, at the time, but in retrospect, I became aware that that's really where my discomfort was, was my own judgment. But I, I um, gave Tammy some advice. I didn't realize till afterwards, and I thought about it, that I was advice giving. But I, I said some things about boundaries um, and drawing on old psychotherapy training, uh, maintaining good boundaries. And then I said some things about, uh, I thought about transference and counter-transference and all of that. And uh, realizing that part of what I was thinking of with boundaries in, in some ways is a affirmation of separation, um, which I certainly don't feel comfortable with. Um, and I, and I know in our program, we, we address this whole thing of us when we're, when we get triggered by something in a session, when our evaluation form, we fill out, some of that. So we're always being aware of that. That's not usually the case. I don't think in traditional kind of psychotherapy training, I guess my question is um, about boundaries. And I, I, I think it's very different with what we do, but I is our boundaries, something that, that you're aware of maintaining certain boundaries with a client, um, to protect them, to protect yourself. It, it, it's helpful being on Zoom, doing sessions on Zoom. That kind of keeps a, a, a really comfortable, um, natural boundary as opposed to somebody uh, coming to your office or coming to your home where there's even fewer boundaries. I just wondered if you had any comments or any guidance about that, boundaries. And the... It, one of the things I guess I'm worried about too is a client projecting onto me, which I'm, I know that they will do. Um, 
that's part of the healing. Maybe, maybe if, if they start seeing me as something other than I am, they could project on me. But anyway, <laughs> wondered if you had any comments about any of all that. Yes. So a really valuable question. Um, everybody's projecting onto everyone all the time. I mean, that's, that's just a given, right? You're projecting onto me. I, I'm projecting onto you. There's just some layers of projection going on all the time. And so the thing is for us to be aware of it, to be aware, oh, that's projection. That's not the true reality here. That's perception, right? So um, there's that. Um, I think boundaries is a very layered conversation. And I don't think that when people talk about boundaries that they're all on the same page. Mm. I don't. I think what some people think are boundaries, other people have no idea of. And what some people think are boundaries, other people would be like, no way. I mean, it's just, I think that if if we were all to define boundaries, we might come up with many different, very different kinds of examples. We would not all be on the same page. So to me, the whole thing about boundaries is Are we, are we being intrusive mentally, emotionally, physically in ways that are not desired, not helpful? That, that's what we're being alert to with not being uh, intrusive, disrespectful, um, not being uh, domineering. Um, I'm sure we could think of some other words here. So, for instance, and I've given this kind of example before, one of the things I've become aware of uh, in recent years is because I'm interested in people, I I mean, I just have forever have had an interest of what people do, why they do it, what's their motivation, what what are they thinking, what are they feeling? I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the human processes and experiences. And um, that's what got me into this in some ways. And it's very helpful to me that I'm interested in that. I find it very fascinating Uh what our motivations are, what our inspirations are, why we choose what we choose, why two people in a similar experience could choose very different things, see things very differently. All of that's interesting to me. I'm interested in the human dilemmas and the human experiences. So there are times, let's say, when someone will tell me something about like, I'm just making something up, you know. Oh, my my cousin's daughter got pregnant and the the father's a drug addict and you know, and so the temptation might be the next time I see them, how is your cousin's daughter doing? Right? So 
And then I ask myself, now I ask myself when I feel that temptation, why am I asking that question? Am I just curious in the gossip? Like what's that story? How is that story unfolding? Is there any benefit to me or this person for me to actually ask that question? Because the old-fashioned way would be we would ask that question to indicate that we're paying attention, that we're interested, that we care. But what is it that I really care about? Is Am I caring about this person or am I interested in the salacious gossip? of what's going on. Am I interested in the drama of the pregnancy and the drug addiction? So I've learned that a lot of times when I feel an impulse out of my curiosity, uh, that I, I don't do anything with that. I think, no, instead, let me ask this person uh, a different question, like, um, uh, what's one of your favorite recipes to make, right? So then I'm expressing a connection, uh, which is what I'm, I'm also interested in, that connection with the person. I care about you. I care about how you see the world, what you're thinking about things. What can I do to connect with this person where I don't have to go into the salacious gossip? Uh, so, like, that's a big shift that I've made. Um, and I, I used to... I can see now be interested in the drama of people's lives because I could find a way to give some advice and to be in some way um, helpful because my my personality, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, eights go to two when they're happy. The two is the helper. So how can I be helpful to you, right? But as I mature in my eightness and my two-ness and all of that, and my seven wing and my nine wing, as I mature spiritually, I, I, there are higher ways for me to be helpful. I can hold the high watch. I can do prayer. I can have a vision of healing. I can uh, work energetically. I don't have to drive to their house and spend three hours talking with them. But if Spirit says, hey, why don't you make, see if Mary would like some help folding the laundry today so you can see if you can help her talk out this thing with her cousin, then I would happily do that, right? So it's, it's constantly pinging to that higher self so that we become more and more, we're up above the battlefield, and where advice is not needed, right? And because what's more helpful, and this is what spiritual counseling is all about, what is far more helpful is to ask questions that will help the person find the highest and best and lock into it like a um, heat-seeking missile, right? And that, and then their energy is pulled and they go, I know what to do. And you didn't... It may be something you thought of. Maybe it isn't something you thought of, but they came to it on their own. It's so much more valuable than for us to just give it to them, right? Because, I mean, how many times when I first started out counseling did I say, look, just here, here's the cake, eat the cake. You'll be nourished by it. You know, basically people would be like, I don't even see cake here. Where's the cake? 
I'd be like, it's right here. I'm right, it's right here. Get your fork. Let's go. You can use your hands. Just start chowing it, you know? And they'd be like, I, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. But if I can, you know, it might take three sessions or 10 sessions. So just keep, and then they're like, oh, I see I can have cake now. Yes, you can have cake. What kind of cake would you like? You know, and that, that to me is what we're doing in spiritual counseling. You know, versus in other kinds of therapy where they're like, okay, I'm going to diagnose you. And then once I tell you what's wrong with you, I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Like, oh, yeah, it's just a different approach. It's a different approach. It's a, it's a much... But we we needed to go through the other approach to get to where we are now. We needed to do that. Yeah. Dina. Um, I originally had no idea what boundaries were. Ever. So the work I've done maybe in the last 15 years has led me to begin to understand that boundaries um, for me are about, am I being true to myself? And um, once I understood that, then I was able to, it wasn't a way to block people anymore. It was a way to be more true and to actually open up more area that I could be safe in if I was um, if I was, if I knew what, if I had a non-negotiable that I knew, you know, that I knew about, and then I could work with that, then I was safe in the conversation, et cetera. Sometimes it was a value and sometimes it would, um, yeah, give an example. Okay. Um, and I actually do use this in my counseling work now. So let me see if I can find something that would be easiest to explain. Um, Well, I think somebody was talking about it in one of our calls recently, just one of our community calls or something, where they um, always let their friend have her way, always. Then at some point, the issue got so close to her, I guess you might say her non-negotiable, she did not want to be exposed to COVID. So therefore, she drew some lines for herself and communicated differently to the friend. The friend didn't know how to deal with that. And they got into a battle and instantly for me, based on the way I'm understanding it, she created, uh, she was being more true to herself. Now she, instead of being, I'm going to let my friend have her way. It was like, Oh, I have things that are right for me. And this is how I'm going to be in relationship with you. Therefore now we can have a true relationship. So, and there can be all kinds of things. It's very individual. Mine, you could, I, we could all have different ones. But if they're non-negotiables, you know, they're they're the ones that might make or break things. The others are, you know, if it's just a value, like one might be a value example might be, I really like my family to have dinner every night at the at the dinner table, not in front of the TV. But it's just a value. It's not a non-negotiable. So when your teenage kid goes off and wants to watch their show, you're you're OK with it. But there are other things where that may not be okay with you at all. So knowing that then allows you to open, it's a boundary. You know, I'm not going to step, I like to, instead of seeing it as a fence that blocks people, I like to see it as a foundation or a um, something that you can step up on. 
and then have your conversations from that platform, if you will, as a, like an authenticity platform or a, um, you know, your, your integrity lies there. So I'm not going to tell you, or I'm going to, I'm going to be in communication with you or in friendship with you, relationship with you. And this is something I know to be true. And you don't necessarily have to ever speak about it, but you do need to be aware of it. So that's the way I use boundaries. So you're right about having different definitions. I never see them as blockades against someone. Right. So another person could say that there are preferences. Yes, preferences. It depends. I think it depends on how strong they are. If if it's just like your story about going out to dinners and you always needed to have your way for a while, then it was like, well, I prefer vanilla, but, you know, I prefer this restaurant. So it didn't become a make or break thing with you. But at the same time, you don't always want, I mean, sometimes your opinion is needed. I I might like this. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes your preference, your opinion is, is people would like to have that. Uh, And I experienced that many times with my brother and sister-in-law regarding our family home because we own it together and they'll say we'd like to do this what do you think and I'm like that's fine with me and they're like no 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 that's not a good enough answer we'd like to know what you would like why you would like it how do you feel about this and um which I understand they want to feel that then there's a sense of security that I didn't just go along with them and um uh because they want me to agree with them you know, and uh, many times I don't agree with them. And I'm like, well, I would do it differently, but I, I don't care enough to say, don't do it the way you would like to do it. You care. You do it that way. That's fine. And I think your story about your sister-in-law, where you said, I'm not, no more discussion on this. Yeah. To me, that was, that's an example of a non-negotiable boundary. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I was happy to discuss the why I wouldn't let her judge me and things like that, but I I wasn't going to listen to her judgments. Yeah, that was a that was a clear boundary, very good example. And there is a Chinese restaurant here in town that I don't think has good food. I've had so much really really good Chinese food in my lifetime when I lived in Manhattan for ten years, and uh, that's a boundary for me. I'm just not going to eat that crappy Chinese food. And that's a judgment. Other people love that Chinese food, but I'm, and people will say, let's eat Chinese food. Come on. And I'm like, you can eat Chinese food. I am not eating that Chinese food. You know, that's my boundary. So, um, yeah, it's, I like it when people are clear and direct with me. I do not wish to do that, you know, but if we can do that without judging, right, that's what we are learning to do. To say, I don't wish to do, like, I I don't wish to eat that Chinese food. I've eaten it a few times and I'm never satisfied by it. I always wish I hadn't gotten it, so I'm not going to have it. But you can have it. Other people enjoy it. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter, right? No judgment. Yeah. And as just a final thing, um, overall, that could be called assertive communication. So you're speaking not from judgment, but from your certainty from your having thought through it, from your having understood yourself and others. And yeah. so it's not judgmental in any way. Right. It's a statement of certainty. Yes. Or resolution in some cases. 
Yes. And and sometimes it is 100% based on preferences. I, I prefer not that Chinese food. Am I going to say it's bad? I did say it's crappy, right? Because that's how it tastes in my mouth. <laughs> that's how it tastes in my mouth. But other people like it. So why can't they have it? You know, don't need to dissuade anyone from eating it. You know, these, I think, for me personally, really knowing our way around these kinds of thinking and feeling and, and, and understanding what is our thought process, what are our beliefs, is something coming up for healing, all of that is what makes, uh, who was it that said an unexamined life is not worth living? I forget who said that, but... Um, that's it, it it's it's not that it makes life worth living but it, it it's what's required for waking up it's not enough to just say i like this one i don't like that one say more you know what what's really going on and sometimes it's just a feeling but and that's okay but sometimes it's much more than that and and understanding what is going on behind our thoughts and our choices is critical to awakening. It's critical. Um, Marianne, you have your hand still up. Uh, did you wish to follow up and then Arba? No, okay. Yeah, really good questions, important. And these are the kinds of things you're going to talk about with clients all the time, right? All the time. You know, what are their preferences, their boundaries, their judgments? All of what's getting triggered and why. Araba. And you looked so beautiful in that red yesterday. I know I've told you I really like that red on you. Thank you. It was slightly different red, but I do enjoy those shades. So, um, oh, you saw it already. <laughs> okay. Uh, my question, and I just wanted to thank Lori for bringing this forward is around self-judgment. And the discussion here today has been wonderful in terms of the tumbleweed analogy and just the, the period of continually feeling that battle. And I, I was doing my goal setting session questions as this was coming up. And one of the things that came to me was the finding freedom video on healing self-judgment and I wanted to just ask about that because you know in there you presented the talking telling the ego that you know I am that I am and remembering that truth and saying that this is actually happening and you know there's a part of me my ego is like all of our egos right well try to go around that. And so I just was wondering, how do we really move above the battleground? Because I don't seem to be able to do that. It just feels like I have not been able to do that. That's a really good question, Arba. So one way to understand it is, uh, it, it, we talk about going above the battlefield, right? And so it, we all recognize 
that, for instance, um, this little Ganesha, my little, this, this is a, uh, a lower vibration, more density than this lamp, right? The light, rather, the light emanating from the bulb. We recognize that the higher vibrational, the faster moving vibration, which is the light, is um, ab above the lower, more dense vibration. This is vibrating the this is vibrating slower than the light coming out of the light bulb. So we we're used to thinking of things as being low and high, and that high is better unless you're intoxicated, right? So high is better. Um, and, but the reason why we probably say high, I got high, is because I'm, I'm like up in the clouds, right? I'm above the, the, the fray uh, because I've tuned it out through um, drugs. So the fastest way to get above the lower density is what? Are you you don't, are not? No, sure. I would say yeah. I would say it's it's not to judge the lower density as lower. It's just accept it. That's a good answer. Anybody else? Beth, forgiveness, forgiveness. That's a good answer. Anybody else? Mary. The other thing that. Oh, go ahead, Beth. The other thing that came to me was prayer. Good answer. Mary? Yeah. Uh, gratitude for the situation. Well, that, that would be forgiveness. Great. Well, they, they are slightly different. Yeah, very good answer. Dina? Um, invoking, say, the violet flame. Well, that's a good answer, too. Lots of good answers. Mm -hmm. Mary Ann? And then I, would, I was thinking of just going with it in my heart. Say more. What happens when you go into your heart? I feel this. Um, I feel this gentleness. I feel unconditional love, and I feel joy. Okay, very good, Fanza. Yeah, I I was wanting to say almost the same thing. Just uh, how do you feel? And uh, as uh, Maria said, are you in joy or are you, I don't know the word, are you stressed or uh, mm -hmm. not happy, for instance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, uh, good answer. So to me, love and gratitude is our most basic spiritual practice that will shift our vibration instantaneously. We don't have to be necessarily uh, feeling love about what's transpiring in the moment or grateful what, for what's happening in the moment. 
Um, I think of Oprah, who she said that the most helpful thing that she did in her life that transformed her was the practice of a gratitude journal and writing down five things she was grateful for at the end of every day. And she said, you know, a lot of the time it was like ice cream, it was different foods and things. But it's still the energy of gratitude. Gratitude is gratitude. You can be grateful for new shoes or you can be grateful for an inspired teacher. You know, you can be grateful for any number of things. And uh, we feel different levels of gratitude. I mean, th there are times when we feel gratitude so intensely that we can't help we're weeping, right? From gratitude, just sobbing, weeping, sobbing from gratitude. When I first started studying A Course in Miracles, I had that so many times, just sobbing and weeping, so grateful to have the book in my hand, just that I had it in my hand, was made me so grateful. And uh, this access to a, a teacher who could answer every question. And um, so love and gratitude, that is the practice that raises us up above the battlefield. And there's really nothing else. It's nothing more complicated than that. So we can think of, uh, like sometimes when I'm teaching about this, I'll say, think of a child... At, you know, they may not be a child anymore. Maybe they were a child 20, 30 years ago. But a child that you loved without conditions, even for a moment, you just loved them. And feel that love that you have for them or you had in that moment. And that can recalibrate us instantaneously, that love. You know, it's one of the things I enjoy about having Bodhi in my life. Sometimes I'm just, sometimes she's made a mess, you know, she's muddy and I'm toweling her off and I just feel this huge surge of love for her and, uh, and, uh, it, it's, I, and when I feel that, I think how many times people say, what, what is love? How does it? feel it's so obvious you cannot mistake it for anything else there's no question that that is love and so it, it that is what can lift us up and um and the willingness is all that's required so going back in throughout our days to love and gratitude love and gratitude love and gratitude you know even love for An idea, you know, extreme appreciation for an idea. Um, we can love the energy in the forest. We can love a particular plant, you know, just feel such a great surge of love for it or a painting, some creative expression in the world. So, yeah, that's what lifts us and keeps us up above the, the battlefield, just returning over and over and over again to love and gratitude, love and gratitude. So it, it, it is a practice. It is a practice. It really is. Because I used to go over and over again in my mind to uh, judgment and attack. Dina. I totally agree with you. 
except in certain super challenging situations. So, um, because, and actually I find Arabic to be one of the most grateful, loving people I know. So I'm surprised that you have that challenge, but it uh, must just be our human challenge. But like losing my pet recently, just unopened, it just went back to every loss and opened this huge thing. And the, I couldn't do the love and gratitude, just wouldn't work. So I did, and I'm still working on it, letting go. I'm just letting go of this world and the things that I don't understand and the things that, you know, why we have to do this and why does it have to be so painful? Why do we have to love? And, you know, so sometimes things, the battlefield can get a little mixed. It's we in my experience of it, I I think you're 100 percent right, Dina. And in my experience of it is I have an attachment to not seeing it differently. And uh, I can, you know, feel when I just want to label this as not good, this is bad, this is too hard, this is, I, I don't like this, what it, whatever it might be in that moment. Um, and just, uh, I have an attachment to my perspective on it, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest part that came up for me was I have an attachment to a belief in death. And I don't want it, but it's biggie, it's a big one. It is a big one for in terms of the human race. It's a very, very strong attachment. And we are the ones who are undoing that attachment. So clearly your life has a lot of that in it. Right? It, that's big work for you that you're doing on behalf of all humanity. And you can say... I don't want this to be hard. I don't want this to be difficult. I don't want this attachment. Um, and Or just Holy Spirit, make, the, make this easy. Help me to see the truth. Because truth is always what's going to make things easier. You know, it's like... You know, I'm looking at this big field. If I knew that digging a trench from here to you know, whatever, quarter mile away to my neighbor's house, if I knew that digging a trench would somehow uplift the human race, I would start getting shovels and I would start having a plan to dig my way over there. But if I thought I had to dig my way over there for some other reason, like because the government told me to do it or because... um if I didn't do it, I'd have to pay all these taxes or something. Then I'd be like, mother, father, God, I don't like this at all. This is a bummer. But if I knew it was going to uplift the whole human race, I'd be like, yeah, let's see. Maybe I could find ways to spend more time digging that trench and get it done faster. You know, maybe I could find, you know, the perfect outfit to wear that would not soak through to my skin Something, you know, better waterproof boots to make it more, you know, put plastic bags inside my boots. Would that be a good idea? Keep my feet warm? You know, seriously, I'd be like, oh, this is going to be awesome. All I have to do is dig a trench, quarter of a mile. That'll help the human race. Right? So, so much of it is like that. So, yeah. 
How does that feel to you, Arba, all of that? Uh, it feels, it, it, I mean, it's all helpful. I think one of the pieces that I am pondering and taking in is this idea of the attachment. And for me, it's it feels almost like love is unidirectional, that the, the part that's difficult is the inward portion of it, but outward. So having love and gratitude outwardly doesn't feel difficult. Um, it's partly including myself in that field um, and really doing that in a consistent, way. Uh, so I think the portion of being willing to release the attachment that I have to the idea of myself um, may be where I can do my work. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it. That's where a lot of us have to do our work. I mean, everyone I think here who knows you would say you're more one of the most wonderful people we know. And uh, we're constantly impressed by you in a myriad of ways. And, uh, but, you know, how do you feel about yourself? And how are you with your own self, like uh, appreciation, recognition, and honesty and all that, you know, that's the work that we all must do. And uh, like I think of um, Regina Dawn Akers and being with her in Mexico and we were doing, wanted to go to the pool and, and do different things. And she was like, oh, I just hate my cellulite. She hated it so much. And it's like, so here's a teacher who could love everybody for every, every in every way, but she didn't like her cellulite, you know, and uh, was really bothered by it. So we, uh, we, that's our journey. That's our journey. Total self-acceptance is our journey. It really is. And that's how peace on earth is going to happen with total self-acceptance. That's it right there. And so to me, that was a very strong motivator. There cannot be peace on earth until I accept myself as I am without judgment. There will be no peace on earth until I do that. And so that was that was my motivator. That was my motivator. Uh, one more thing, and I know we're over time, but one more thing real quickly is, you know, in year one of Masterful Living, one of the things I talk about is how we recreate the vibration of our childhood home. We recreate what what is mom, what is dad, what is love, what is home. And so uh, I was talking about this with somebody recently about just looking at, is there a vibration left over from what you got comfortable with in your childhood that's coming up for healing now? So, for instance, I I think of a a really great example was one year in Masterful Living, I was teaching about this, and someone in the class said, oh my God, my family, we're refugees, and we uh, 
came from whatever country to whatever country. And when I was a child and I'm well, you know, I'm 40 something now and I'm realizing my entire family are still living like refugees, but we haven't been refugees for 30 years. We still live like refugees, though. We still think like refugees, as though we're, we just got here. And it, it just blew open that person's mind. Like, oh, my God, they saw how they were recreating that energy over and over again. And, and some people, their, their mom was depressed and sad, and they keep recreating that experience. That's where their comfort level is. I feel comfortable if the people around me are sad, or if I feel sad, you know, we, or some people like, if you're really loving, like I think of, um, Kathleen Madigan, one of her comedy routines, she tells a story, she went to her friend's house, uh, and, uh, the first time being at her friend's house and her, at her friend's house, her mom was like, I love you. I love you. Okay. Have fun. I love you. You know, and like, I've got cookies for you girls. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Oh, look, your sister's home. I love you. I love you. And, and Kathleen was said to her friend, like, are you folks like this all the time? I love you. And your mom giving you cookies and happy to see you after school and stuff. And her friend was like, yeah, yeah, it's always like that. And isn't it that way at your house? Don't you tell each other you love each other? And Kathleen says, oh, God, no, that would be a sign of weakness. You know, because she had this eight siblings or whatever, you know, this Irish Catholic family. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no love being talked about, you know. <laughs> it's like, I love you. Now I'm taking that, you know. And so um, it's just we recreate what what is feels familiar and feels like home until we can see past it. So just for me, I, there are ways that I, I, I kept doing that and I, I had to stop that. So that may just be a little something to look at. And it's also very helpful with clients because sometimes you can just feel that what the energy that they're recreating is not their own. It's learned stuff from their childhood, you know, because some people isolate all the time, but you can tell it's not authentic to them or some people are, um, you know, wearing all kinds of clothes that are not authentic to them, but that's how their mom dressed. So they dress like their mom, stuff like that. All right. Sorry for going over. We're grateful. We're thankful. Yes, we're grateful and thankful that we are born of an infinite love. And that the field of love in which we live and move and have our being is what we are. We are the field of love. Love is what we are. And that's the only thing we really know how to teach authentically whether we know it or not. So we're grateful to teach only love. We are grateful to represent the one who sent us. We are grateful that love is all that there is and that we can recalibrate, that we can let go of the misperceptions and have it be as though we never had them in the first place. So we're gratefully releasing any attachments we have to the past 
any attachments we have to low vibrational thinking or experiences, and we're opening ourselves to the clear flow of love and gratitude in our heart, in our mind, in our conversations, in our activities, loving ourselves free of all limited false beliefs, sharing the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Amanda, can you stay another minute? Yeah? Thank you. All right, I'm going to stop the recording.